You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. And I am Jackie Clayton. I learned that on YouTube this week. That's how you're supposed to say your name. Jackie, wait for it, Clayton. I did that last week and you yelled at me. So I don't think that's true. I hadn't saw the video first. So now that I've seen it, even though we're like best friends, I took a stranger on YouTube to confirm whether or not I was going to buy into that belief system or not. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I think that's just when I'm like not really paying attention to what I'm doing when we first start the podcast, which is great. You know, that's how we roll. Um, So we have an awesome, fun guest today. One of my favorite humans on the planet. And um, we're going to talk about some cool stuff. So welcome to Ashton Pfizer. Hey, I just realized like my name puts the AF in inclusive as AM. Nice. So this is perfect. (laughs) We had a plan. We had a plan all along, Ashton. It's a plan. (laughs) So when we have guests on the podcast, we like to start with, you know, a little bit of your bio, but it's also just about your identity. So whatever you are comfortable sharing, we'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Sure. Um, I could tell you like my full story or the short one. Um, but yes, I'm currently living in Phoenix, Arizona, originally from Chicago. Um, uh, my pronouns are she and her, um, but I identify as a bisexual Black woman. Um, so I am all types of minorities. And um, right now I am working at GoDaddy. Been that, that's the reason why I moved to Phoenix. I've been there uh, over six years now. Um, and yeah, and I DJ also. So um, yeah, that's kind of my life at the moment. So awesome. And um, what's your DJ name again? Ashton. So <laughs> I figured I'd just make it easy. It wasn't before. I had like a crazy name before. It was like Friday Adams. But like really all of my friends were like, you know, your, your first name is actually pretty legit. Right. So, <laughs> you Let's know, go with that. that. And it's easy. It doesn't confuse people. You know, people just know it's Ashton just across the board. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a cute name. Thank you. I'll, I'll let my mom know you said that. Yes. <laughs> See, my kids are old and now it's like, it's too late. Like I can't go back and do that, but I'm going to write it down just in case. Well, it was actually supposed to be in Ashley. She and her best friend were pregnant at the exact same time. And her best friend literally had her baby a month before me and named her Ashley. So then there was a 30 day scramble of what to figure out to name me. I was going to be an Ariel or Ariel or whatever we were going to pronounce it. But then her friend was like, why don't you just do Ash 10? You like the Ash thing, just change it. We were, she was like, oh, okay, that's what we'll do. So, <laughs> and Ashton is way cooler than Ashley. I would to be say clear. So. I would just, say so. just so we're all on the same I page. I fully agree with that. <laughs> um, so we're actually going to dig in on your DJ story a little bit and in your philosophy. So um, we recently have uh, had an introduction to a new Snoop Dogg video, which shall remain nameless because Jackie is not a fan. Um, not that I'm a fan, but go Snoop. Um, and so <laughs> we were wondering kind of what your philosophy is around um, music and kind of how you think about songs that maybe are derogatory towards 
women, men, whoever they might be derogatory towards. What do you think about when you're thinking about that as a DJ? So um, truly it would kind of start with my philosophy as a DJ. So um, when it comes to like how I DJ, what kind of events I do and things like that, I truly am really like a feel good DJ. Like I, I want to play feel good music. I want music where everybody's dancing, everybody's happy, that kind of vibe. Um, so honestly, I do not do a lot of like, and I know this is going to sound horrible. Um, I don't do a lot of rap. Now I do have I do distinguish between rap and hip hop. To me, those are two totally separate genres. Um, so I do do hip hop. I actually tour with a, a hip hop artist sometimes. So that's that's really fun. Um, but when it comes to rap music, I am very selective about what I play because for one, um, I, I focus on energies a lot lately. Um, and as a DJ, you are creating the energy for the party or the event or the room. Um, so when it comes to, when we say derogatory music, um, yes, I will dig in the crates and like kind of pull out that old school Uncle Luke and stuff like that, because at the same time, it's feel good music. What I don't usually play is a lot of the stuff that um, has come out lately where it uh, I know out of Chicago, it's a genre called drill music where they're explicitly talking about selling drugs and shooting people. That is not my forte. Um, I know that in a lot of a lot of the popular rap artists right now, a lot of them are actually struggling with depression if you listen to the music and it's actually really sad. Um, so that's kind of where I go with that. So it's, for me, it's not, I don't, I'm not necessarily thinking about if it's derogatory towards a certain group, although like if there are music where it's straight up derogatory to the LGBT community, I'm not playing it, period. Just not, it's not, I don't even have it on my computer. Um, but you've seen over time where um, male artists, no matter the genre, have written derogatory songs towards women. It's been accepted over time. Um, it's just that my, I, I limit myself at where we are killing people, killing ourselves, all my friends are dead, push me to the edge, I'm not going there with you, I'm sorry. So um, as long as it's music that creates that good vibe, maybe you have good memories from it, or, or it's, it's music that's traditionally played at those gatherings where it's a cookout or it's a celebration and things like that. Those are, those are the songs I gravitate to personally. So um, I, I play what makes me feel good and usually it's what makes other people feel good. Um, I know that we had a couple of ladies recently come out with a song that got a lot of attention because um, of the explicitness of the lyrics. There've been explicit lyrics in rap music forever. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly think that song was very well done because they actually used a lot of imagery, imagery and a lot of ways to describe intercourse that I would have never thought of. So <laughs> I actually commend them for that. But yeah, my, my philosophy is feel good music. I don't want to play anything that's going to trigger a fight or trigger bad memories or all of a sudden everybody's depressed. I, I'm there to keep people out of their seats, make you forget about all the bills you have at home or problems in life and actually have a feel good time. So anything that doesn't feel good, I'm not playing it.
let's not have to have trigger warnings on on a playlist right right it's like before we play this just the, you know these if anybody suffering from any mental health issues you may want to step out of the room like yeah no <laughs> so right now who are your favorite artists that you're listening to that is that feel good vibe um so I will say, okay, so I'm all over the place as far as music goes, just to be honest. So um, there is a young rapper out of Chicago uh, named Toby Lou. He's a personal favorite um, just because his vocabulary, his imagination is so vivid and it comes to life in his music. It's, it's, it's just really fun to listen and then re-listen and pick up on those things that you didn't catch the last time. So he's a fun one. Um, there's another group called Pillar Point, um, and they have a lot of fun, feel-good music as well. I don't even know what genre you kind of put them in. They're almost kind of like the new disco kind of genre, so they're they're really feel-good. Um, and honestly, I really enjoy Megan Thee Stallion, and I don't know if it's the music per se or if it's her story that I love, because like she's this young woman, she lost her mother and her grandmother. Um, just before she got famous, that was her support system. Um, she stayed, she's, she's in school while pursuing this rap career. I think she graduated recently. Uh, and then she went through that incident, I think it was last summer with the person she was dating and there was a shooting and she even, I, she, the way she carried herself even through that, I was inspired. And the girl is 25. I'm in my 30s. I'm like, I want to be like her when I grow up. So for me, I don't know if I'm inspired just by her as a person, everything she's been through, how she carries herself as this gorgeous young lady who's intelligent with a degree and promotes going to school and also doing what you love. So yeah, those are, those are my favorites right now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing. I love um, that. We're just so, I mean, it's like people are multifaceted. Quit trying to put people in boxes, like let people be all the things. Exactly. Right? Can we bring exactly. all the things with us? It's because we are a product of all the things. So, you know, we're not just one. One thing. Yeah. So I'm going to start a conversation next and then I'm just going to listen because <laughs> This isn't really uh, my topic of knowledge in any way, shape or form. So uh, you have mentioned recently on social media that you're kind of going through a hair awakening, hair revival, whatever we want to call it. I don't, I don't know what you're calling it uh, per se, but just really talking about um, how you're letting your natural hair grow. So would love to, like I said, I'll be listening as you all have this conversation. <laughs> By the way, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> did you go through a big chop moment or did you just let it go? No, wait till. Okay. Let me tell you the story. Okay. So there's a whole story. Oh yeah. A whole story. Oh, there always is. Always me, is. Me and me and Sharon have been through a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so growing up, I've always had just a ton of hair. Um and so um, my mom was a single mom raising me on her own. Um, and so she had um, a woman that did take care of me from like when I was six months old up until I went off to college. Um, and so, you know, at that time I was born in 87. So growing up in, in the nineties, um, the thing was perms for black girls. So I had all this thick, long hair, 
Um, they were the ones that had to do my hair. So they kind of convinced my mom to, to perm it. So I was, I was permed, um, I think from the age of six through high school. Um, senior year high school, okay, no, a junior year high school, my mom let me dye my hair. I've always wanted to dye my hair. That's been a thing for me. Um, and as many people with hair know, um, perm chemicals and um, bleaching chemicals aren't good bedfellows. So um, she did allow me to go to a hairdresser. She always took me to a hairdresser, but she allowed the hairdresser in like my junior year to give me highlights. So that set it off. After that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, I'm sticking with this hair dyeing thing. So um, my senior year, just before college, me and my best friend had this fantastic idea. Let's go to Walgreens, buy a box of bleach and color each other's hair. Now, she and I had very different hair textures, okay? So her hair came out fantastic. It was beautiful for freshman year. Mine, not so much. Um, I kind of more so came out looking like the straw that they stuff scarecrows with. So now I'm off to college. Now I'm off to college. I have never done my own hair. My mom had me on a two week scheduled hair appointment with a hairdresser. And then in between that, I would go to the bathroom while she was getting ready in the morning, sit on the toilet and she would put my hair in a ponytail. This is all that, I never did my own hair. College, <laughs> no, one, no one put me through the uh, how to do your own hair tutorial. So I get to college, have no clue what I'm doing, freshly bleached from a box hair, it begins to fall out. So I think I came home in the fall of my freshman year. And basically I had some of my hair on top still, but pretty much everything in the back had almost fallen out. So she took me to a hairdresser um, and uh, basically, and, and I hadn't permed my own hair either. So also, so we, had, we got the tension from the dye. We have the tension from this new growth that's coming in over like a half of year because I don't know how to do my own hair, so I haven't permed it. And then we have the permed hair on the ends, just, you know, abort their abort ship, jump, jumping off. Um, so I end up having to get a haircut. So that was like my first short haircut that I had to wear for a while while my hair grew back out. Um, but again, still don't know how to do my own hair. So I'm not perming it. And it ended up going natural in college just by way of it falling out and having to just start over. Um, so once it went natural, I was like, okay, well, I guess this is my chance where I can really start dyeing my hair now because now I don't have to deal with the perm. Still don't know what to do with it. So I'm dying and frying at this point, still falling out, okay? You with me? So <laughs> um, finally, I start really getting to a point where I'm, I'm getting to know the other girls in school and they're really helping me really get to know my hair. And so I'm still like keeping it straight, um, but you know, it is natural, but I only straighten it because that's the only way I know how to manage it. So I'm dying and frying all through college, um, still going through it, um, came down to Arizona uh, from Chicago. That's a totally different climate for hair. So my dyed hair started breaking off again. I'm like, okay, well, it's natural and it's breaking off. So, okay, freaking out. What do I do now? So had to go through this extra moisturizing thing. So anywho, long story short. So Katie, you, you've known me for a while and you know, I've always kind of been um, an advocate for diversity and inclusion just across the board, not only at work, but just in life in general. Um, and I kind of came to this revelation before COVID hit. 
Um, and it was, I can't, I don't remember what I was getting ready for, but it was like the day before wash day. So, you know, day before wash day, your hair really isn't doing what you want it to do. It's dirty, it's heavy. None of the curls are curling the way you want them to. I still got straggly, funny looking ends because I'm still frying my hair. And I'm, I just decided, I was like, you know, if I'm constantly advocating for diversity and inclusion and especially belonging and people being able to be themselves and show up as their full authentic selves. And it's what I'm preaching at work constantly and I'm literally not, how, how can I continue to, to advocate for others if I don't even feel comfortable showing up as my full self yet? So um, I still don't know what to do with my natural hair. So at that point I was like, okay, what I'll do is I'll start getting braids and that will, I'll figure it out along the way, but I'll just keep my hair in braids. So as you know, Katie, I was wearing a pixie cut for a very, very long time. Um, basically right before COVID hit, I started, you know, kind of braiding, getting my hair braided constantly um, and just keeping it in braids. Um, and I think in the last few months, um, one of my hair braiders, she decided to like take a break. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I can't do braids. So I got to figure something out. Um, so now I have all this hair that I didn't have before natural because even before with the pixie cut, I'm like, okay, I have to wash and go. Just put a little Miss Jessie's in it, keep going, that's okay. Um, but you actually have to know what to do with hair if you have a lot of it on your head. Um, so actually, um, the revelation took place <laughs> as I was preparing for the panel you invited me to for, um, Phoenix Startup Week, um, where I was really kind of panicking once again, like, what do I do with my hair? I don't know what to do. I can't keep showing up in these Afro puffs. These are my COVID Afro puffs. I just did this because no one else is really going to see me. And then I had a moment where I was just like, it's a diversity panel. And I'm going to be advocating for people showing up as their full authentic selves. I'm going to have to start showing up as my full authentic self. So um, I am kind of now on this journey where I am attempting to embrace my hair as it naturally grows out of my head, not the color, I'm still gonna keep dying it, mm -hmm. um, but really going heatless and not putting heat on my hair and not straightening it and just wearing my hair as it grows out of my head and enjoying it for what it is and being comfortable looking in the mirror and saying oh i do look cute um so yeah so it's just kind of a journey and i and i did a journey of me just embracing myself and, the, and this particular piece of myself and no longer feeling like i have to straighten it to be accepted or it has to look a certain way like this is me this is who i am this is how my hair grows and this is it so yes i am i'm there now i am i am embracing myself and i'm moving forward <laughs> so, say, how's it feel it feels really good actually like i it, it feels much better in the i'm not anxious about figuring out what to do with it. I, I love it. I love my Afro puffs. I look back at a, a school picture for seventh grade and I was like, oh, I had Afro puffs then too. So this is okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm really loving it. I get so many compliments. I'm like, really? These, these two little things, you love it? Okay. So yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. They're cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like them. And then my coworker's daughter, she started this business during COVID of like barrettes. I'm like, now I can wear the barrettes I bought. So they're cute. <laughs> I like it. I don't have any hair. I have some. Oh, but I, I have I, to cut it. I, I loved having very little hair. It was very nice, especially in the Phoenix summers. 
<laughs> fully. But it's funny, like when you don't, I didn't realize like when I first took all of my hair off, like how sweaty, like literally there's nothing to catch it. And it's like in my eyeball, like literally in my eyeball. I was like, ah, like the first time. And even uh, we went to Six Flags and I went outside and I was like, oh, it's hot. Like you just feel it right on my head. Right. Like, <laughs> There's no coverage. Yeah. Like, wow. Ain't that something. But right. it's, it's important, you know, like I think I actually changed my Twitter name to don't touch my hair. That's what it says for my name. <laughs> that is my favorite thing. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Um, so Ashton, um, Jackie has not one, but two children, well, soon to be in an HBCU in Houston. And um, Miss Ashton Austin. is a Austin. Dang it. I always do that. Well, it's Houston till it's in, in Austin. I know it's confusing. Oh, yes. That there you go. That's, That's part, part of, of the too. Houston yeah. came in. Yeah. Um, Ashton is a graduate of the wonderful Howard University. So she's what, also what's the what's I the almost went chance? to Spelman, but I went to I visit campus. And I saw that there were there was no air conditioning in those dorms. <laughs> it's a little warm. I refuse to go down to Atlanta <laughs> and not have air conditioning. That is awesome. <laughs> so what what's the chant for Howard? Um, it is H U. You know, it's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Anything else on hair? Jackie, any anything, other? What? What? Huh? Anything? Anything else on hair? Oh, don't touch my hair. Can I just add that? Can I just add that? Don't touch it. Continue and to call yourself. Found upon that. Just so if people just don't understand why don't touch okay. my hair is a thing, you know, um, no human dogs don't even want to be approached unwillingly in no. pet. Okay, so just know that a human being equally does not want that. So when you just feel like you see some hair that you really just want to reach for, just don't. Nate, just- you know, last week, you know, the show last week tonight, mm-hmm. um, he just did one on hair and it's so funny. Like it just came out this week. And part of it that's so funny is because, you know, he's this white guy from England and he's talking about all the hair and he learned all the stuff and he is so it's just so funny hearing the things coming out of his mouth and it's fully all about hair and about the crown act and i think it's important to talk about hair and about how people don't don't understand that it is your crown i think there's been a lot of things that have just been 
painful in regards to it. And I don't think people understand. There's a couple of things. Number one, of course, like I said, don't touch it. Just don't touch people. Like consent is a thing, right? Like I shouldn't say don't touch my hair. Don't touch me is what I should just say. Like, like fully, just don't touch me. But the other thing is, you know, I don't think people recognize like it is a transition. I think people fully go through a transition because of the way that things are going. Like you learn to hate who you are and not be able to embrace who you are. I too was a every two week hair person and went to college and didn't know how to do my hair. Um, and I did a lot of work. I did a lot of things. I did what is called the big chop, which is a lot of women who've gone from chemical straightening to their hair. Mm-hmm go down to a short base Afro, cut all the perm piece off because literally when I went and I looked at it, it's like three hairs in a bow. Like you literally have this big, huge tuft and literally there's like three hairs coming out of it, out of a piece like this big Mm -hmm. because all of it has been straight and you don't realize the damage that you're doing to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just saw, it's funny because that came up and then I was just watching something else and it was like Malcolm X talking about people straightening their hair and stuff like that. And so it's like, I'm so glad they, they're doing the crown act here in Texas uh, most recently and trying to get those things passed of not being able to wear your hair. Like, I just think the flip side of that is just bizarre. Like I'm going to say, sorry, no ponytails here. And if you come to school with a ponytail, I'm cutting it off. Because it's distracting. Because ponytails are distracting. Can we just talk about that for a minute? How is my my braids and dreadlocks not, you know, are more distracting than them ponytails that swish when people walk? I think we should be allowed to cut the ponytails off. <laughs> okay, maybe guys, not. Can That's you guys a hold more. on a second? I need to put my hair in a ponytail. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but I'm glad to see you are embracing your crown. Your crown. Well, I am glad you even brought up the crown act because like so many people don't even understand the history of why natural hair is so hard to embrace for black women, period, okay. you know, for so long. Well, even for start, if I want to take it back to slavery, I don't mean to be like the dad on black AF, but like take it back to slavery, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we even we we had to wear wraps. We couldn't show our hair because mm-hmm. you may be deemed too beautiful and distracting to to the men in society. And then to go on from there, our hair isn't our hair in its natural state isn't professional. So then we have to spend either money on wigs or hours trying to straighten it. And believe me, uh, back when my grandmother and mother were growing up, we did not have the same keratin treatment right. that we have today that actually helps. So I can only imagine what that was like for them. So it's, it's, it's this, and media in general. I was actually reading a book about how um, advertising um, through history in America um, has portrayed blackness as not mm-hmm. the default preferable aesthetic as far as beauty goes. So even in advertising, we're, we're, seeing, we're, we're showing these images of ourselves and then told, but you need to do this to look, to be beautiful. So it's, it's, it's a struggle when you don't even realize you're being inundated with messaging and everything telling you not to embrace your natural state. 
and then to try to then do the opposite and and live proudly in it it's 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 an interesting dynamic to live through i tell you okay you know two what what one thing that was changing for me was watching um how to get away with murder mm-hmm. oh and she took her wig off that would always take her wig off every night and you're like she's real life yeah that's real life yes you know and i was so happy when she did that what was funny was because you know last weekend i went out the house and this woman i know she was trying to be nice so i went to this baldness because i have alopecia and it you know so then i was like screw it i'm just shaving it all off and i'm just gonna keep it like that um and this this woman unknowingly like people just need to mind their own business she wasn't trying to be hurtful i know she wasn't um but she was like, oh, you're just so beautiful with your short hair. And I was just like, lady, like she wasn't there. Katie was there. She remembers. Like I was literally in tears for a full day. And I was like, it wasn't a day. It was like a week. And I'm like, I'm going to cut my hair off. And then we planned it that we were all going to be on the call when I did it. Because I was like a complete wreck. And then I don't know what came over me. And I was just like, cut it off. And then I sent pictures and then they're like, you look so pretty. And I still cried for another week. And she's like, oh, you look so people. I was like, you know, not everybody. It's not a choice for everybody. It's not like there's a lot of things that can affect your hair. But I will tell you, here's what's so funny. The other day, so my hair grows it's still from the front it grows like on the top and the alopecia is in the back and on the sides and the other day i was so upset because i had to do a filming and i was like i have to cut my hair and um if in between todd will do it my husband which is a whole nother again can we just have him on the show next week because we talk about him every week so i don't want him on the show ever i, I take that say, no <laughs> <laughs> no we may not <laughs> So he showed so, and I was like, and he shaved it. And I finally, I was like, oh, and it literally, it's like two weeks past this. So it wasn't even that high. And I was like, it's amazing. Like at one point I used to feel so ugly. And now I feel prettier when I don't have hair. Like I don't, I feel like I could hold myself up high with no hair. I don't know. It's weird. Well, you but definitely when you, should, because you know, everyone does not have like the head shape for and that was a risk. Hair. And you definitely do. So like you're, I, you I don't know. know, I'm not, I got some weird dents in the back. Like I'm- I wasn't sure how that was going. I'm glad <laughs> you said that at you. I really didn't know how that was going to work out. And you know, some people, their their mamas didn't pick them up when they were little. They didn't know that. Flat in the back. Until yep. you see that flat in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, I was loved. Here's proof. Look, like my head, I was not left in my crib. It's nice and round but i was i was like i know there's chicken pox scars in my head like i was like i know there's gotta be things around there. in there like what is yeah this? i have no <laughs> idea of what's happening but i'm glad that you did that and you're embracing your full self and i i think people don't realize it's so interesting when you have the conversations that people don't realize like just that like we talk about bringing your whole self to work. Like even like, number one, you don't want my whole self at your office. Trust. Number two is you, people don't realize like that's a struggle, right? Like, 
literally it's a full day of getting your hair done. Yeah. I remember I had this weave and it was glue in back in the day, glue in weave. And I was like combing it and the whole piece, like a whole piece like came out my head. And this lady was like, <gasps> like she thought I like scalped myself with a paddle brush. She didn't know. No. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like holding it like this. Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> I think though the piece, like it is, I, I love that you said, just don't touch me. It's not even about my, like the hair. It's just don't touch me. Cause it's, Back up. yeah, I saw a comedian a few years ago and I thought this was just hilarious, um, but also very, very accurate. And he was talking about someone coming up and touching his wife's belly. Oh, because like just a random stranger yeah, and she was that. pregnant. And so, yeah, I'm going to come up and, and first it's the, you know, the HR rule that I've always heard. And it's slightly inappropriate is like, do not say anything about someone being pregnant unless there's a baby coming out of their body. Like that's don't right. Ever, don't like ever discuss you crowning. It. Yes. You see the head. <laughs> that's right. And then, but it's the same thing where and so this comedian was like, so what my wife did is she just started rubbing the woman's belly too. And, and, you know, and I'm you know, watching this laughing, but it was like that same thing of like, why would it be appropriate for some random stranger to be rubbing your belly? Like, no, don't touch me. Don't touch my hair. Don't touch anything. It's so yucky, but that is gross. We were just talking about that when I was pregnant because my daughter is about to be 21 and, um, we were looking at pictures on mother's day and I was, she was looking at these pictures. I was like, that's you. And I was pregnant and I was huge, but I had like five months to get like in the picture. And so we were talking about people would always come up and say random things. And so I'll say like, oh, is it twins? And I was really upset one day. And my grandma said, just go with it. Like, you're never going to see him again. Like, just create stories. So then if people would say like, oh, are they twins? I'm like, actually, it's quintuplets. And I don't know who the father is. I was a part of an orgy for a film and I had my tubes tied. But now I have five babies and I don't know who the daddy is because there was like 30 guys there. I would just go off on all these stories and just look at people. Just because what? But I'm taking, she said, but don't. But don't, you have to finish it up with, by saying, but I'm taking donations. That's what she said. So that's what I started saying to people. That's amazing. That I didn't get any. Yes. <laughs> here's, my, here's my Venmo. <laughs> hey, pal me. I started, I started a GoFundMe. What was that that's woman's right. name that got like implanted with like 12 babies and then had eight or something like that? Oh, like, yes. Mom or something. Whatever. Mom. Eight. Yes, yes. That poor lady. Mm -mm. Well, she, we could talk about mental health next. God bless her. There is that. Yeah. Um, so want to switch gears a little bit. So um, Jackie knows and our listeners now know that you and I used to work together at GoDaddy, um, which was super fun. And one of the things- Can I just say this? Please. Because very few people know this. Had it not been for you, Katie, literally, I, I don't know if I would still be at GoDaddy for one. And two, I definitely would not be in the position that I'm in now. Like you opened so many doors for me. First of all, I was devastated when you left. I'm like, I don't, y'all like can't even fill that spot. Like who's going, what, huh? So like you, I don't know who else you did it for. I'm sure I was not the only one, but I know for me, you set my career on a trajectory that I will never be able to thank you enough for, seriously. 
Okay, well, thank you for making me cry right now. Mean. Don't make I her cry. Know, it's because Katie's mean. So she made it easy for you. Anybody can fill those shoes. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to make you stop crying. Yes, thank you. That's what I need. No problem. Um, wow. Thank you for saying that. That is very, very sweet of you. No, I'm serious. Um, it's, I'm, it's, I really mean it. Like, it's seriously, I don't, I don't know what my life would be like had I never met you. I'm glad you said that because Katie makes spaces. People don't know Katie makes spaces. Yes. She's intentional. Yes. But she is crabby. I'm, I'm tricky, but <laughs> crabby. <laughs> I like to play tricks on people. I don't mean like do. in the good way. No, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is I, 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 we've talked about this. Anytime I like hear a CEO, like re repeat verbatim something I've said, I'm like, oh, you were listening. Great. <laughs> But it is that, like, I, I'm calling it trickery. That's not the right word, but like just the ability to open doors or create like, oh, hey, you didn't know this person. You need to know them. You need to talk to them. They're someone that should be on a panel. They should be talking for you, blah, 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 whatever. Because I think it that's the work. That's the work that we all have to be doing as allies. Um, and yes, I just called myself an ally, but you know, you're not so, supposed to self-proclaim that. But I'm here to open doors and give past the mic. Um, not right now because I really like my mic. No, I've got one too. It's nice. <laughs> I don't want to share it. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, employee resource groups mm -hmm. and kind of what your thoughts are on it. Because we've had a few guests on. Um, one of them, Tara Robertson, was talking about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion should not be like what should not report into HR and should be a direct to the CEO, which I agree with. And I think most organizations are starting to figure that out. Um, but would love to hear just kind of your thoughts on employee resource groups. And obviously, I know you've been a big part of the group at GoDaddy and groups, I should say, at GoDaddy. So would love to just hear some of your thoughts. Sure. Um, well, a first thought. So I've heard like the different conversations that like the head of diversity should like why, why they should report to like the CEO instead of HR and things like that. But what I've honestly kind of come to find in looking at um, what's happened to a lot of people that have been hired on as like heads of diversity, especially in this new wave, um, they need to report to whoever's going to actually listen. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen it where, okay, they report to the CEO, but the CEO is gatekeeping. Um, you know, I, I feel like they definitely need to be able to report to someone that's actually going to fight the fight with them instead of having to fight the fight alone. So I don't even know what structure that looks like at each individual company, but like I've, I've seen just so many different situations where this person gets hired, they're ready to do the work, and then the, whoever they're reporting to is standing directly in their way and they leave and they find another company and they try to go do it someplace else. But yeah, interesting thought on who that person should always report to. I, I, I yeah, that's- I would say the person with the most money. <laughs> That now that's that's with nothing to do with, with a nothing, lot of money to do with the no money prices right. to put it yes yes so okay anyway not to be real okay ergs um ergs are a wonderful thing i'd say um especially i would say especially in tech i i haven't worked in banking i haven't worked in you know these other industries that um i know can be uh white male dominated um but as I've seen in tech, um, without the ERGs, 
a lot of times you're reliant on friendships, connections, um, those circles that you're hoping can help you move around. Um, and a lot of times in those circles, it is homogenous. So if you are different in any way, it's hard to tap into those circles. Um, and this is where ERGs can either help or hurt. So I've seen, I've seen, I'll say this. So I love that companies have ERGs. I don't love when companies have ERGs and they say, here, here's a thousand dollars for the year. You should just do something cool. They're not bought into the ERGs. The, the departments in the company do not leverage the groups. The groups have to independently navigate the workspaces on their own. That is not um, a good ERG environment. Um, if you are not going to incorporate the employee resource groups into the business, there's no point. What you really have is a bunch of like-minded people in groups that have gotten together and they could have done that organically. Um, where I say ERGs are a fantastic thing um, is where you actually have companies that support the groups, encourage the groups, allow the employees to lead the groups, but also encourage the entire business to lean into those groups. Um, I do believe while ERGs are a great thing for employees to feel like they have people that look like them, possibly think like them, there to support them, there that understand their individual issues that, that other groups and demographics may not understand. It is a bigger gift to the business that you now have these demographics of people that you can lean into so that you can start creating better products, better advertising, um, actually include people that you wouldn't have normally included just because you just didn't have the frame of reference to include them because you've just never been exposed to it. Um, Equity. Yep. I think that is where ERGs and BRGs um, come, really come into play. It's when the actual businesses leverage them to become better businesses. So um, yes, like I said, while it's great for the employees to have that peace of mind, they have those groups where they can actually let their hair down, be themselves, do whatever they need to do to decompress, it's important for the business. That's Businesses little, utilizing their ERGs are the difference between those fantastic Procter & Gamble ads that you see and Target just trotting out a Black family in the next catalog. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my stance on ERGs. Now, also you can't kind of like, you have to do, you do have to put in some sort of metrics in the company um, that force that integration as well. You do have to um, let these departments know like, hey, you know, if you're going to do something for Black History Month, you got to loop in the Black ERG to make sure one, you're doing it right. And two, that it's an inclusive campaign across the company. It's not just something that your team is doing. No one hears about it till it goes to market. It's something that everyone needs to be involved in. So those are my kind of two cents on ERGs. Also, just, you know, being an ERG leader, it's for me, it's been a great way to 
help a lot of our members, one, um, try to move around the company and find those spaces and those connections, um, but also in this past year um, to really destigmatize mental health and really encourage that and encourage a community where we are able to be candid and talk with each other about the things that are going on that we're not carrying these huge weights on our shoulders until we we finally break down and can't can't go forth anymore we actually do have a support system that we've created where we do pour into each other because we all know that you can't pour from an empty cup so um, we we personally at, in our ERG have had that opportunity to really become more of a family for each other um, and really be there in times of need in, in at work and outside of work. So that's that's been a really great thing that I, I've loved to to have been a part of. So, yeah, ERGs. Because I, that, I because I said I hate ERGs. Listen, <laughs> I joined a cult recently and I'm trying not to become completely radicalized called the NAT ministry rest as a form of resistance and we were talking about that at all i will yes. not take on any additional work yes. ever yes i said I in our my meeting. laundry apparently i just keep buying new clothes but that's a whole different thing i don't think that has to do with the ergs that's a whole different but thing. no i was telling our members like you know a nap was probably our ancestors wildest dreams like you that's have right. to take a break like yes the hustle mentality is out there. Everybody's like, grind. You got to grind for the ancestors. They couldn't do it, so you have to. You know what else they couldn't do? Take a break. Wait. And they will be proud of you for not running yourself ragged the way they were forced to. That's so, right. Yes. Absolutely. I, and I just feel, I mean, I feel like they, I, what I don't like are people, people have to understand, like, they have to be thoughtful and intentional with specifics and allow people to opt into those things and to nurture them. Otherwise, you're just creating a social group if you don't have those pieces. So I think it's thoughtful. And I think I think what is what is the reason I think it gets why I look at it that way is because you don't hear a lot about that. You see a lot of people put the ERGs on their website, on their career page. Oh, look, we have these ERGs but they don't talk about what you're going to do in those ERGs and the impact it's had on the business. It's just like, look, you know, gay people, we have a place for you to hang out after work at work. Thanks. Without saying these are the impacts. This is what we've done. This is the corporate social responsibility. These are the things, this is whatever change that we've been able to implement so we can celebrate as an organization, this cool group of people. And you have to have enough people in order to make them work and sustain, like enough people that are gonna be able to rotate and share some of those, those different things. But I'll let you know how my cult life goes. Well, I will, I wanna second that motion on having enough people, okay? Because um, ERG work I'll say is hard um it is it is like having a second job mm -hmm. um and one thing um that our black and tech erg has struggled with because of diversity is that population so part of our work um is truly getting out there um and really what we're and really what we try to do we're not trying to spin this whimsical tale of godaddy being like united colors of benetton and everyone's here and they're happy and we just skip through the hallways all day but what we do say is look we're here 
we all support each other. We're trying to get more people all over the company so we can have more support at all levels. And if you come in, it's not gonna be easy. And you, you might experience some unpleasant things from some particular individuals. What we can tell you is we made sure it's not systematic and it's not systemic. And we are working to make sure that those individuals are not ruining it, ruining the culture for everyone else. But we have work to do, and we would love for you to come on that journey with us. So that's that's a big part of our work as an ERG being a black in tech or even like a Latin X in tech is really um, it's, it is partially recruitment and letting people know that yeah this company does have a space for people that look like you and yes we're here is it perfect not at all but we are doing the work to get it to a place where it is equitable i have two things i want to say um so the first one is and, and you guys have kind of danced around this a little bit but one of the biggest things that i do with organizations is ask them to put something in the goals for the folks that are leading, like in that core team for the ERG, so, so that they actually get paid to yeah. do the work and get, you know, kind of rated on how they're doing within that work. Because I think there is, it is a second job and you're, for the most part, most companies you're doing it for free. And so being able to put that onto your goals or putting it into a bonus structure, whatever that looks like. So you can actually get paid for that work because it is hard it is heavy and you want to take a nap like jackie in her in her cult you want to join cult. jackie that's right jackie's cult of napping which i fully support <laughs> i didn't know it was um, cult. i joined the nap gang so i don't oh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so i can I'll switch the link cult. in the chat in right? the show notes. <laughs> that seems more serious <laughs> yeah it does. blood in blood out you know right. you have to take your nap you yes <laughs> yes Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. And then the, the second point I have is exactly what we're talking about. Like, how are you actually, and you know, this is Jackie's lane all day long. How are you using and working with your ERGs to help with your recruiting? How are you using ERG? And I'm saying use leverage. How are you leveraging your ERGs to actually make an impact when it comes to who is out there? And I just remembered something. I remember <laughs> we did a photo shoot for a conference and Little Miss Ashton came out. It was glorious because um, she was one of the tech folks in our in our uh, call center, and she rocked it. Um, that was a fun year because we also had a little girl who was one of the daughters of one of the engineers who was in it too, and she was the cutest thing ever. But um, yes, I think that's the representation without it being obvious or weird or looking like a Benetton ad or just feeling like, oh, hey, we have these stock photos of one black person, one uh, Hispanic person, one, we've got one of each color. So we're all set. The end. Thank you. No, that's not how this works. So um, yes, I, I want to use ERGs. I want to leverage them more. But I also like the idea of like the product piece. 
Cause mm -hmm. I think there's also so many um, communities, so many different folks that aren't, and I don't mean, Hey, we're going to translate our ads into Spanish. I mean, like, how are we actually reaching out to communities to say, Hey, this is actually a great place to work. And also we have these awesome tools for that mom and pop restaurant for, you know, those different things. So now I'm going to talk too much about GoDaddy. So let's circle back to <laughs> recruiting. <laughs> well, I know that one thing that, that we do is um, we listen, we lean. So um, like I talked about in the panel on startup week, you know, um, a lot of companies for a long time, were waiting for people to like to just come to them. You'll come, we're, we're so great. You're just going to come to us for work because we're so fantastic. Well, if you actually want a diverse workforce, you have to go where those communities are. So that's where we lean on our ERGs to tell us where to go. They know, they know where the people that they know where their communities are. Um, so we, we, absolutely lean on them to tell us where the new conferences are that we should be at, any new events that we need to show up at, anything that we need to be sponsoring. Where do we need to send our social responsibility team to help this community of entrepreneurs so that they know this is what GoDaddy does. So we lean, we, we lean in hard for them to um, tell us what to do, where to go, what we should look like even. Um, I know for, uh, I'll, I'll say for Afrotech. So Katie, you were there when we first started with Afrotech. Um, so we, we were able to totally continue that. Um, but in this- in the, in No, the no, no, I'm sorry. You have to tell about the sweatshirt. So if you're gonna talk about Afrotech, you have got to talk about this following that they had at Afrotech. <laughs> so, okay. So the what? first, so, okay. So Afrotech was started, I don't know how many years ago. Was it five or six years ago? I don't know. Yeah. I but, think it's about okay, so it started, yeah. it was like a one or two day conference the first time it started. So I'm like, Katie, here's this thing. It's called Afrotech. I've never seen anything like it. I think we need to go. So Katie was like, okay, well, since it's literally never been done before, how about you go and you make sure it's legit? So I'm like, okay, cool. I think I, think I can do that. So um, she was like, you know what? How about not just you? We'll send the Black and Tech core team and you all can give an assessment. So that way we get multiple voices and we can really figure out if this is legit. Cause you know, I was just gonna go down, come back, say, yep, this is it, we're going. So, <laughs> so in preparing for, to go, um, we were just trying to figure out like what we were, we weren't necessarily sponsoring. I know that we had um, donated some swag because they were putting together swag bags. So we did do that um, as a partnership, but we weren't really sponsoring because it's mostly recon mission. So we were trying to figure out, okay, what's a recon mission. So, you know, we have to at least bring back some numbers to prove that there are people there that are qualified and can work. Well, how do we even let them know that we're like a group of people that's trying to do this? Like, how do we, should we wear t-shirts where we, maybe we should get sweatshirts. Okay. Sweatshirts. What are the sweatshirts going to look like? We don't know. I don't know how we found this color. But, you know, the GoDaddy colors used to be like green and orange. We found this vendor that had these neon orange sweatshirts. I wish I had a picture. They were so bright. So we're walking around this conference. We all have these matching neon or everybody else in like these muted professional colors, just kind of gray scales, some browns, little earthy tones. Maybe you got a couple purples out there. We came in in neon orange. Everybody just had to ask, like, who are y'all? What kind of gang is this? What is, what, what is happening here? Like, the back says Black GoDaddy bit. What is, what is this? So 
before we could even get to people to talk to them, we had we had to set up at a table in like the back of the conference space because people were coming to talk to us to figure out who we were in these sweatshirts. We were all over Twitter. We, we would go to like Twitter, there was hashtags, Afrotech, it's nothing but these, who are these people in these orange sweatshirts? What are these orange sweatshirts? I don't know, I think that's GoDaddy's. GoDaddy's orange sweatshirts? What is GoDaddy? GoDaddy's the domain people. Oh, it's the domain people in the orange sweatshirts? Like we, we were the buzz like for the day at that mm -hmm. conference. I was like, oh my God, like, I think we have to do the orange sweatshirts again. So <laughs> I think for like two or three years straight, we would always go in these orange sweatshirts and people just knew, like even the, mm -hmm. even the conference organizers would shout us out on social media, like here's GoDaddy in the orange sweatshirts again. So <laughs> that kind of became um, our thing. But um, as we actually grew and actually um, sponsored to a point where we had a booth space um, in this last year, um, I was actually part of our employer brand team now that, um, you know, we, we kind of, figure out how GoDaddy shows up in that marketplace when it comes to recruiting. Um, and I, I kind of had that idea in, in, the, in that past year that, you know, when we start going to these conferences that are specific to these communities, we need to stop pulling out the generic GoDaddy swag and actually create items that, and even if it's not a huge item, maybe it's not a t-shirt, maybe it's not an umbrella or something big that they take home, but it's something that speaks directly to that community. So my boss was like, okay, I like what you're saying, do it. I hate when that happens because I have so many great ideas and I always say them out loud and everybody's <laughs> like, do it. And I'm like, when? Um, so, um, so that year, um, Afrotech was like kind of our, our bigger marquee conference that we were going to, um, where I now had the chance to figure out, okay, now I've I had this great idea. What does this look like? Um, so for that particular year, I, I spent a lot of time just researching and figuring it out. I'm kind of like African-American studies, like minor. Um, so, so I got a little bit of history under my belt, but I was like, what can I create that's going to not be the usual, that's still going to be corporate friendly um, and still speak to uh, this community? So um, in that moment, I, um, I decided, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go full motherland. I'm going to find... Um, some wax print cloth. I'm going to find some patterns, some Ankara patterns. I'm going to figure out what's going to look good. Um, and I'm going to figure this out. So I don't know if you all know how like wax print is made, but they're not exactly using uh, Adobe Illustrator to do it. Like a lot of it is like these handmade patterns that have then been repeated over time by these manufacturers. Um, so what I had to do was basically find a pattern, um, figure out how to illustrate it, um, and then kind of make it into some variation of GoDaddy colors, but still keep um, a lot of the tones that are used in those fabrics and patterns. And so I did that. Um, our team had t-shirts and hoodies with the, the Ankara print on it. And then we made stickers and enamel pins. It was a pin set. So um, one pin um, had the word hashtag blurred because blurred is black nerd. And then um, one pin was in the shape of uh, the continent of Africa with the print inside of it. Um, and I just thought, I, you know, it's pretty, it's a cool design. It's cute or whatever. I think this is cool. Um, what literally ended up happening was people were coming to the booth. So, cause I would, I would like walk around the conference, come back to the booth, that kind of thing. People were literally coming to the booth, looking for me to hug me in tears because they had never seen a company create something that spoke 
directly to their community. There was actually this one guy who was from Nigeria who, who sought me out. Like, I think I was walking through the expo hall and he was like, are you Ashton from GoDaddy? And I'm like, yeah, what did I do? Depends. Like, <laughs> right? I'm like, depends on who's asking. Um, and he was like, did you create this? And I was like, oh yeah, I did that. And he was like, you created an actual print. He was like, you recreated an actual pattern that has meaning and you, you, you actually, it's, this is a real pattern and you actually put it on this company swag item for the, he was like, you don't know how much this means to me. He was like, I know it's just like an enamel pin. He was like, but this is something that I'm going to treasure for a long time because I never thought a company would care so much as to recreate a part of my culture to 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 really represent me so I was like oh so I have to keep doing this I I'm gonna have to actually research and sit down and really create the things because if we're gonna go where they are yep we have to speak their language we is I think of it as like the conquistadors the way they came to America like I only imagine you show up on the American shores and Native Americans are here they're like oh okay you're speaking Spanish talking about uh, we're going to take over and take all your land or kill you. And they're like, I have no idea what you're saying. Would you like me to share some of our crops? <laughs> so, you know, so in that <laughs> circling back, yes, we, we leverage our ERGs to not only tell us where to go, tell us where to show up, but we also, they, they are also there to tell us how we need to show up, what our mm -hmm. messaging needs to be how, what language we need to be speaking for this community to understand where we're coming from, to understand that we mean what we say and that we're not just here to say, we love diversity, come work for us. And we really don't. Um, By the way, <laughs> so you can, just so you- No, you found it. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness gracious. I found it. Those That's are some right. of my favorite people from GoDaddy. <laughs> that is really bright. So if you're watching, this was the best. Look, this is for me from like 2018. That is Aww. the best. And the blur. Oh, yeah. So that was the, the next year that we sponsored. So basically, we're keeping it. So apparently, I don't know. Maybe I'm just the nerdiest Black person I know. I don't know. A lot of people had never heard the term blurred before when we first rolled it out at Afrotech on the swag. Um, and they were, and people were coming up to us like, what, what does blurred mean? And I was just black nerd. What do you mean? What does blurred mean? You should know that you're a black and you're a nerd. You're at the state conference. What? <laughs> so it went over so well that literally every year we just come back with a different variation of swag with that on it. It's almost, I love it. Our key thing for Afrotech is that we are, we're bringing the blurs to Afrotech. So I love it. We have it on hats now, stickers, enamel pins, you name it. That is awesome. Hey, how come we've never given, I thought we were like best friends. Like, why don't I have a blurred hat? I don't have one. I do have my neon orange sweatshirt somewhere in my closet. <laughs> Because I was like, I can't, I can't like donate this. Like, I, it's no, just like, no. what are you gonna like, do? this is not a donatable item. Um, anyhow, like, can you imagine someone finding it at Goodwill? Like, no, no, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that would be one that they'd be like, yeah, I don't know that we can put this in the store. Yeah, no, mm -mm. anyhow. All right, Miss Ashton, thank you so much for being here. 
Our last question for you is what is one thing that you want to make sure people take away from this conversation? Mm, just one thing. Oh my God. I know. I'm um, sorry. This is the hard part. <laughs> I would say the one thing that I, can it be two things? Can I just make it two things? Sure. I'm going to make mm -hmm. it two things. Yeah, go. Yeah. There are no uh, rules here really. So the first thing is always ask permission, no matter what. Um, it's something that, um, so I've been having, so in COVID and all of the like stuff that's been going down in life and in our black community and the things that we've been exposed to in the media constantly, it's been like just trauma on, a, on, a, on loop, um, as I've started kind of bringing, well, not kind of, I've started bringing in, um, a counselor through our, um, EAP counseling program. Um, and we do a group counseling sessions. And one thing he has always said that no matter what, no matter if it's a question where you want to have a conversation with your friend or family about how you're feeling, whether or not you want to hug someone, whether or not you want to help someone, whether or not you even want to ask what someone's doing, whether if someone asks you a question and you want to make sure they're prepared for the answer, always ask permission. So you see some beautiful hair you want to touch, don't touch it, maybe ask permission. You don't ask permission for that, just don't touch hair anymore. But Ask, always ask permission, no matter what. I even come to my friends when I'm upset, like, hey, I'm having a rough day. Do you have the bandwidth to talk about it? You know, or if somebody asks me a question, like, why don't you know where you're from? Cause you're black. Like, why don't you know where your people are from? Are you sure you want me to answer that question? Like, you know, are you ready for what that answer might sound like? So always ask permission. And then the second one is let people be who they are. Um, you learn so much when people are not distracted by trying to be whatever your definition of professionalism is or, or are distracted by whether or not their natural state is acceptable for the workplace. You can learn so much from an individual and where they're from, their background, what they've been through, what they do at home. It's, or you find out you have so many commonalities when they, when they don't have to pretend to be something they're not. So always let people be who they are, whether you like it or not. They might not be end up being your best friend, but you're probably gonna take away a learning experience from it. So yep, that's the takeaway. Just let people be, let them be their, their authentic selves, accept them as who they are, whether that's acceptable for your life or not, it's for you to decide, but just let people be. Awesome, thank you. Jackie, what is your one thing? So just going on, extending with that, like if you can't be, which is my quote, and I can't remember her name right now, you know, the lady that is the CEO of Essence Magazine that used to be at Target, Yes. I can't remember her name. <clears throat> but to quote her as she I said, worked with her at Target. I know. <laughs> I can't. I quote her in every presentation I did. But as she says, episode, that person, <laughs> if you, she says, she always says, if if you can't be, if people can't be who they are, where they are, they don't change who they are. They change where they are. Mm -hmm. Say it. Carolyn Wenga. Yes. Who like is philosopher what, and yes. CEO of Essence Magazine. And very, 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 no, she's full on now. Okay. Um, I was yeah. like, was it, did she go yeah. full on? Cause I knew it was interim. Anyway. So that <laughs> continuing on to that, if you can't be who you are, where you are, change where you are, don't change who you are. That's what I'll say. Awesome. Love it. Mine is don't touch anyone's hair. The end <laughs> period. Period. Um, all right, folks. Thank you.
Ashton for being here. Truly, uh, this has been so much fun just uh, catching up, but also hearing, you know, your perspective on so many good things. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. Um, this is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. <laughs> and this is the Inclusive AF Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.